everybody, and welcome to the H Word. Happy Monday. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Happy Mother's Day. <laughs> Days. Okay. Hi, everyone. Hi, I'm Becky. I'm Dan. Um, just trying to provide you with some cheery, at least vocal tones. Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> if we can do nothing else, we can speak in a happy voice, put a little smile in it. Yeah. Um, how you doing? Doing all right. Doing all right. Yeah? Yeah. How was your week? Um, it was, uh, well, um, how was my week? It was okay. I don't know. Same as last week, kind of. Okay. I didn't know if it had maybe a different quality or something. Um, no. Uh, oh, let's, let's start with the weather report. Okay, great. What a week. <laughs> what a week in weather My actually gosh. what a day in weather yesterday which was saturday yeah. holy macaroni um i went out i had to go out in my car and mm-hmm. um it, we had sun and snow and wind and ice pellets and then all of it again and backwards and, and what was the view like from your place um it was uh you could like see little storm pockets crawl towards you, hit yeah. you, and then uh, sun would just start, yeah, uh, beaming everywhere. It was um, it was like a weather mixtape. <laughs> yeah, it was like a remix. Yeah. Um, yeah, I had a, it, it's, it, and this, um, there's sort of a joke in Canada of like, oh, it, it snows every May and everyone's like, what's happening? Why is it snowing? But this is extremely unusual. It's colder for longer than it's supposed to be. Um, and I definitely, when my weird sort of overconnected thinking was like, we're doing this. The pandemic did this. The pandemic did this. Well, like maybe we're indoors more, so weather's allowed to be more free. I don't know. It's definitely too much magical thinking. Yeah, that's yeah. So you just to check in with you. You don't think that that's um, correct? I think this is climate change, not not pandemic. Is it? So it's just like it's gotten really cold because everything's all out of whack. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I have okay. felt I have felt the seasons shifting into some amorphous. Uh, weather morass. Ah, okay. So good to know. So it's sort of a separate, unrelated thing to be scared of. Yeah, well, it's the thing we were scared of before. Right. It's still here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like there's like a few more animals in the city, but climate change didn't get fixed by this. (laughs) That's right. Right. A few more animals in the city. Right. Yeah. Oh, last night I woke up, speaking of animals in the city, I woke up in the middle of the night and... um. I was, I was absolutely convinced that there was a rat in the bed. Whoa! It was Itor's foot, <laughs> <laughs> and I screamed, woke him up, said, "I thought your foot was a rat," and like went back to sleep. <laughs> so that's, you know, that's that's an that's a highlight of the week. That's a, yeah, you know, it's, yeah, um, yeah. It was a pretty wild experience. Um, I had a huge week. I cut my finger open. Whoa. Yeah, it's I talk about it in the in the interview because it just happened. Um I have continued to avoid avoid going to the hospital. I think that's an okay choice. I agree. Great. Well, I, I mean, I don't know what your finger looks like. Yeah. What does it look like? <laughs> like how badly is it cut open? It's cut. I mean, it's cut, but I <laughs> <laughs> But I found these special band-aids I had to heal blisters and it seems to be holding it together okay. Mm, doing the glue approach. Yeah, honestly, honestly, I think I'm not a doctor, but I think I was going to try to 
go to the hospital to get crazy glued shut because I don't have any crazy glue. But I think that's what I would have to have. I don't think it's stitchy, stitch worthy. Oh, so they do that medically, the crazy glue you closed? That's what it's for. That's what it was made for. Really? I believe so. I don't, I guess I don't know for sure. I think so. That's what it was made for. I think it was made to stitch you up. I don't know. Huh. If only there were a way to find out that kind of thing. Well, I can't click on my computer because my microphone picks it up if I do. Okay. Well, I can't access my computer right now because I am doing it. My podcast records standing up. I'm trying a new setup this week. (gasps) Do you feel my standing up energy? Um, Yeah, it's sort of like an Ed McMahon quality. Wait, he (laughs) sat down. Oh, he stood up and then sat down? Uh, He's sort of like by the podium a bit, isn't he? I feel like I, he did I, both I'm, I'm seeing a sort of Andy Richter esque podium with cards. Yeah, yeah. But yes, he would sit on the couch at some points. Right. Oh, wow. How's it feel? Do you feel powerful? Um, I feel. Um, I don't feel. I don't think I feel powerful, but I feel more um, like uh, ready to pounce, like a, you know, like throw something at me, you know. Oh, okay. Yeah. Should I throw something at you? I yeah, throw it. something at me. See what happens. Um. Uh, I, I blanked. <laughs> okay, great. So I did this, uh, I got this quiz from my therapist this week. Okay, great. Um, and it was, uh, it's the young, uh, young, like spelled y- like the young? action. Not young, no. Young oh. spelled like the descriptor of someone who's not old. Okay. Um, and they were, uh, William Young, I think is his name. He's a therapist in New York and he developed this, uh, schema, this sort of like personality schema, but really it's more like a, uh, a schema for your defects. Uh, okay. and you answer like a 250 question, uh, questionnaire. And, um, depending on you, how you score these statements, you sort of get put into different schema. Uh, and, uh, I found that, um, very interesting. It's kind of like a, you know, it's like a Myers-Briggs or whatever, but basically it's it's all lose-lose. Like, there's no good, there's no good one to be in. Okay, so um, you did you like this? Uh, I did like it. I found it interesting, but I also felt it a bit, um, uh, you know, in the way diagnoses can, like, make you feel like you then have stuff you don't have. Yes. You know, like, uh, so, so... Uh, you know, I, I fell into the approval-seeking schema and also the uh, pessimist schema. So, oh. Yeah. Do you, okay. Uh, approval-seeking, sure. And I, sure. But like, <laughs> well, I mean. Yeah, no, it's fair. It's, uh, when I read it, I was like, okay, yeah, obviously. Also, like, are there a lot of performers who aren't approval-seeking? Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe um, Pete, Pete Davidson? <laughs> 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 that guy is so off the charts approval seeking that it's reverted back on itself. Oh wow. Um, it's like how like extreme right wing and extreme left wing all think that 5G is poisoning us. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like when you are dating someone for 3 weeks and you get them their name tattooed on you, you've got some approval seeking problems. Did he do that? Yeah, well, he was like they got as soon as he got engaged to Ariana Grande, he got an Ariana Grande tattoo. I don't know enough about this man's personal life. I got to look it up. It's got to well, be out there and easy to find. It's got to be out there. You got to find it. Um, um, okay. But so then it says approval seeking. And under that rubric, it's like, um, so makes uh, life decisions that will then often regret. And I was like, oh, I don't have that at all. But now I'm like 
do I? Do I? Like, yeah. Okay. It just starts to make you question. I don't think uh, regrets are things that you don't notice. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. So I, I, <laughs> I, I don't feel like that part applies to me, but. That's amazing. <laughs> have I, have I been regretting things and didn't know? <laughs> I guess I regret everything about my life. Yeah, I guess yeah. I regret it so much. I, I felt happy about it. <laughs> That's amazing, Dan. Uh, but 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 pessimist. That one though doesn't ring as true for you. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I'm not. Again, not a doctor. Don't know what to do with my finger. Don't know what your, I guess, list of problems is, if that's what we're yeah. working on. Yeah. No, I mean, like, there's a cynicism sometimes, but you, you have a lot of forward motion, which I don't associate with pessimism. Mm, I see. Well, you it's, uh, you're a pessimist? Because the, well, the, the, the way <laughs> the way they were sort of describing it, it felt, it felt accurate. I think the kind of questions, I mean... Uh, I could bring it up if you want, but yeah. um, you do want that? Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, well, then I need to pause. Oh, what do you mean? I need to go get the PDF or whatever. Okay, well, just go. You don't. I can edit this out. Okay, yeah. What if I don't edit this out? <laughs> no, but I was doing a good bit. Listen. Um, I'm going to tell the people about how it got so snowy that I have to live with all of my container garden in my apartment now. It's like a jungle in here. It's like a jungle. I'm back. Sometimes it makes me wonder how I keep from going under. (laughs) I think I stalled great, Dan. I'm not cutting it You did stall wonderfully, and I'm just drawing it up now. And, um, okay, so we get to the pessimism... um, part of it and so the kinds of questions they're asking are like even when things seem to be going well i feel that it is only temporary and you're supposed to rate it one to six how true this is for you okay wait a second who thinks things are going to go well forever that's <laughs> fucked right that's... so i was like six ding 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 okay wait then... but there's a problem there well, I understand. You can you can re, you can rephrase the question to make it more true for you, which is a very interesting aspect of the test. Um, because but the problem they, is like, should you believe that anything that's currently happening will continue? You can't know the future. But I think what they're getting at is that I, I mean I know what you're saying, and I and I totally sympathize with this mode of thinking. But I think what they're getting at is the fact that it's not temporary is a big factor for you, right? Or, or like, do you like? Do you think that good luck causes bad luck? Okay, well, I'll continue. If something good happens, I worry that something bad is likely to follow. And I was like, ding, six. Yeah, and that's different. I also say yes to that, and I also know that that's not sane. And that's what I appreciate about this quiz, is that it asks you kind of very similar questions with different wording. So for a a brain that's kind of, I think we have a similar brain in the sense that it's kind of, we have a kind of legal structure where it's like, ask me the exact right question and I'll answer you honestly. Right. Uh, So we kind of feel like you're in a deposition a bit. Yeah. Um, So next question. You can't be too careful. Something will almost always go wrong. Six, ding, 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 ding. No matter how hard I work, I worry that I could be wiped out financially. Now, financially, that's a weird one, but uh, I did. I do feel that. Um, I do feel something about, like, no matter how hard you try, it could all crumble, and I need to sort of plan for the crumble. Right. Um, Is that not that? good? I need to be in therapy. 
<laughs> Here's another one. Uh, I feel better assuming that things will not work out for me so that I don't feel disappointed if things go wrong. And I put act, put, I put next to it, can I put seven? <laughs> <laughs> um, um, I think I think putting jokes on it's going to make your therapist like you more. Hopefully, and Appro- then was, approval. But, but then they ask straight out. I tend to be pessimistic, and I put four. You know, because like I don't, I don't, I don't see myself as tending to be pessimistic. Right. But if you ask me, people close to me consider me a worrier. Six. Ding 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 ding. But a worrier and a pessimist are different things. I agree. Um, is but that just legal? This again? is the. Uh, possibly, but it follows under the pessimist section of the questionnaire. Whoa. So that's my week. That's, I mean, it sounds like you did some really good work. Um, Uh, I I found it interesting, yeah. I took over Comedy Bar's Twitter for a day. (laughs) Oh, yeah. And this was my week. So I don't waste my time with therapy. I don't have any idea anything about myself, and I act crazy all the time. Um, and, And I like it like that. (laughs) <laughs> just, <laughs> and just instead you covered yourself in Sharpie, I think? Yeah. So I I kind of did a, like a series of makeovers um, to myself over the course of the day that nobody asked for and nobody liked. Um, <laughs> definitely my attention approval seeking um, was uh, put to the test. It felt weird. I I did a like – so there's this whole Met Gala challenge thing. that it's a, It happened kind of a week ago. But I, I felt really jealous that people were making Met Gala – like ball gowns in their homes and so i did a remake of this 2017 rihanna look from come de garçon which is don't at me a problematic fashion brand we don't Mm. get into that but it definitely definitely some problems there but beautiful look that she was wearing so i taped a bunch of shit to myself i was pretty happy with it sort of like i was like everyone's doing this at home they're doing great work but they're kind of being perfect and i wanted to be more like abstract and at home right um, anyway, but she had these strappy sandals. I got Itor to draw Sharpie on me. And then at the end of the day, I dressed up like Pat Thornton's baby Larry, which felt like a weird thing to do for a grown woman. It looks – it's not okay for grown-ups to dress like babies. And then I dressed like <laughs> Gary Rideout, who's one of the owners of Comedy Bar. And Itor made this, like, raglan sports shirt on my bare skin and, like, a tensor bandage to cover my boobs. Um, so he drew all over me, and I got pretty sick. <laughs> like the markers seeped into your skin. Well, the the raglan shirt, it was just so close to my mouth, the like off-gassing. So also there's like smears of red and blue that won't go away all over the apartment. And it really felt like, it felt like a pandemic moment. Um, I'm still covered in all this stuff. Whoa, really? Yeah, especially the armpits. And I got really scared and started Googling if like poison in your armpits is worth some poison elsewhere. And... <laughs> Then I was like, okay, you can't worry about this anymore. Go back to baking sourdough. Now, my sourdough breads have stopped working, and it feels personal. They stopped working? What does that mean? Yeah, they stopped rising right. They had big bubbles in them. My first couple were so good. So all this to say, this is where I'm at. I need approval. I'm really scattered. And um, I need approval to the point that I think the sourdough bread is mocking me. Mm. Okay, so we've reached that stage. Yeah. Yeah. And then I was like, you know, I'm, I'm trying to do things to cope. Like, I have not been going out enough. I went out twice this week at all. <laughs> Again, mm-hmm. this is a pattern. But yesterday, snow day, snow, sunshine, monkey's wedding day, I um, went out to deliver something and people are out. Yes. They're, That's not I, news. Well, it was to me. Like, really? I, ha- I haven't seen it to this level. 
We've talked about this every podcast now. We've talked, but I saw more. Like okay, the- so tell me how it made you feel. Um, I think I just feel like this is what it is now. What is what it is? Okay, like, there's like a big huge lineup where no one's six feet apart for A&W because everyone needs root beer. I don't know what's going on. Um, And then there's like families out for a stroll with no masks on. It makes me feel like they're going to get sick and we are not through this. We share a border with so many really troubling states in the United States right now. And it just made me look up projections as to what's going to happen. And it made me also think that this is where the divide between like privileged and not privileged really starts to kick into high gear. How so? Do you think the people in the A&W line are not privileged or privileged? I think the people that are being forced to serve everybody at minimum wage don't have privilege. And I feel like I can just stay home because I've got work at home. Okay. Yeah. And Yep. Um, that's I agree with that. how I started to feel. And so the people in line might get sick too, but like, I don't know what their deal is, but when it's just like a family and everyone's just like walking around on Dundas, like... And that's the other thing. So you've told me a lot of this stuff, but you live like where I live is just like go over a bridge, get to the lake and there's space. I really haven't had to venture out to very crowded places except for the grocery store. And the places I had to go yesterday, I had to go through these uh, thoroughfares and traffic is back. That's something else. Even on grocery days before, not traffic like this. Even on grocery days, what do you... Like even when I would go out on a grocery day... I did not see traffic like I'm now seeing. Car traffic. Yes. Yeah. And yeah, that, I'm seeing car traffic too. And that's an indicator. And like, and things are reopening. Garden centers are reopening. This is happening. Um, but it, it, it made me just scared because we're not through this. Canada's still congratulating itself so just doing a great job, and we just sort of know that this will cause outbreaks and it will cause outbreaks in factories. Yes. Yes. Uh, I, I don't know what um, the, I don't know what it's going to be like for people um, who can't, who, who can't or feel they can't not going to work. Like, Mm-hmm. It, is there going to be a shift in how people think about calling in sick? Uh, yeah. And can we guarantee N95 masks to people who work in factories? Can we just do this? I mean, at least. Yeah. It's bad and scary. And I'm definitely still in a position where the work I have to do, I can do from home. And it makes me feel a whole mix of things, like lucky and guilty. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I am still focusing on trying to be happy and not just let things like that get me down, but also trying to figure out what the hell I can possibly do. You know? I mean, to stop the situation or to help the situation? I don't know. Just, it's just like you see things happening. This is like, this is what we've been talking about this whole time, right? You see things happening and can you do anything or can you feel hopeful or, or does hope then start to feel like, well, sure, hope for me. Yeah. Um, I do have a hopeful this week. Please. Uh, have you heard the 
the hit song of the summer, I Wonder What's Inside Your Butthole? Mm, you know, I think I heard a remix. I don't know if I went to the source and heard the original. <laughs> okay, so it's um, it's pretty goofy. It's an eight-year-old girl who um, made up a song because she didn't want to get into bed, so she was stalling, and it's called I Wonder What's Inside Your Butthole. Became an internet sensation. Um, everyone's at home with lots of time on their hands, so there's a lot of really wonderful, heartfelt uh, covers of it. Yeah. Going around out there, and it did say something to me about, you know, that sort of tension about, like, things are really tough, but we need distraction. This seemed like a really good iteration of it. Mm-hmm. Of, like, this can exist, and it's communal. There's something like community happening. Yeah. Around uh, your butthole being full of stuff. <laughs> yeah. And, and, yeah. Did you watch Drag Race? I did. Ooh, yeah. A great one. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, this season of Drag Race, like, they're all really good and they're pretty nice. Yeah, nice to each other. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, Sherry Pie, as as performers, you and I can... Uh, I had a lot of feelings about what Sherry Pie pulled uh, in the uh, Mega Challenge. What'd you Max think? Challenge. I hated it. Oh, I hated it so much. Running three times your running length, your running time in your show? Yeah. That's un- that's uh, unacceptable and ridiculous that you wouldn't that you claim not to notice. I weirdly defended her, so I watched it with Brandon and Chris again. I weirdly defended her, just being like, maybe, but it, yeah, it's it's uh, it stretches credulity and like you, she's a seasoned performer. You have to know like exactly. how many bits. Like if you come with three planned bits, you can't do it in five minutes. Well, and you and you know that going in, you know what five minutes my five minutes feels like, even in a riffy improv kind of way, like as a as a performer who's done clearly that much. Well, I have trouble figuring out my own amount of time, but I will also say I have trouble figuring out my own amount of time, and I put as many frameworks in place to help me because of that. Yeah, like I don't have a sense of what an hour is in an improv show, so I ask to get lights. Sure, but also. Yeah. You, but but also you didn't just watch five people do their set, you yeah. know, like she 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 watched everyone do their five minutes. <laughs> and also, less is more. Like it just doesn't serve you. And this is like from from much experience doing comedy, there'd be these people who like wanted to be in everything. Mm-hmm. Like I, I want to be on stage for the whole improv show, and it's like people, you know. Do what you do, do do what you do, do it well, get out of there, and leave them wanting more. Classic. For sure, for sure. It, it really felt like the kind of performer who um, isn't getting the laughs they particularly want, so they keep going until they get them. Oh, and, yeah. And uh, it was just, uh, didn't like it. Yeah, that's fair. But we got a victory Justice we wanted. Justice prevailed, yeah. Yeah, I mean, in a way, it's all a bit late. It's like, it's like... um. It's like, you know, those Academy Awards that are handed out where you're like, well, that movie wasn't the one, but this person's been jilted for too long. That's what you felt about Crystal's win? I felt that she really should have won last week. Okay. It doesn't mean she can't, but it feels like at this point, you're like, well, you can't not give it to her. <laughs> but I thought that, that that buff dude was like incredible. I thought so too, but I thought there's some really good ones. And also, the challenge was one person show, so it doesn't have to be as funny as possible. I thought, you know... I thought Jackie did a really good job, too. I thought Jackie did great, yeah. And I liked the challenge. I finally liked the Drag Race challenge. Yeah. 
Totally. Like, I mean, it's a very hard challenge, but well, it, was it is. Good. Except that it can be anything. A one a one woman show can be like kind of more comedy, more drama, more structured, more premise, less premise. It can be any of those things, and that seemed a lot more open and supportive to different voices. True. True. But for that reason, we saw someone like Gigi, like, uh, you know, buckle under the pressure of too much choice. Okay, we can't. I want to turn this into just a drag race podcast, but she got bad notes. She did get. Yeah. Yeah. She, well, she she yeah, she wasn't able to um, they weren't able to direct her in the way she needed. All they it, kept saying was try to try to just do it. They said try to wing it, which is like, that's just a crazy thing to say to somebody. <laughs> just yeah. just learn to do improv. Um, but yeah, Crystal. What did like she was dressed in garbage that looked amazing? That's <laughs> incredible. And she looked like I turned over watching it and I was like, she's like an adventure time character. Yeah. She's like out of a cartoon for real. Yeah. Totally. It's amazing. Um, all right. Guess what? What? I have a great interview. Right now? Yeah, to throw to. Whoa, that's great. Um, it's with Jordan Foyze. He's a writer and a stand-up and he's really smart. Do you mean the nominee of the National Magazine Award? Yeah, Jordan that's the Foise? one. That wow. Jordan Foisey. Yeah, not not another one. Sue St. Marie's own Jordan Foisey. You ready? <laughs> the Sue. Sounds great. Okay, thanks, Dan. Okay, bye. Okay, bye. Hi, everybody. Uh, we're I'm back. It's Becky. And I'm really excited to have a very special guest from across Parkdale. It's Jordan Foisey. Hi, Jordan. Hey, Becky. Thanks for having me, oh, fellow thank- Parkdalian. Thank you so much. You're on the, you're on the other end, though, right? Um, Queen and Ronsi. Yeah, so we're on opposite ends of uh, Lansdowne. I mean, it doesn't matter now. You could be on the other side of the world. It kind of feels the same. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> um, and before we get rolling, I just kind of want to acknowledge, because I don't know if you'll hear it, Jordan, but the people at home might, that I'm um, I'm holding a Ziploc bag full of ice because uh, I cut my finger open last night and I don't want to go to the hospital. <laughs> you should go to the hospital. Yeah. It's on the – I can't tell if it's a little cut that doesn't need it. It's it's right on the edge. But do you know – yeah, you might not need it, I guess. But do you know what – I don't know what Toronto hospitals are like, but in terms of like – I thought that I was – one of the things that's happening right now is that some hospitals are slower than um, they were before. Well, yeah, that's that's – I don't want that. No, but that's good there's, for you, there's, your purposes. Oh, oh, I see. I, you mean like there's less people going to the hospitals now because they're they're not doing elective surgeries and things like that, right? And because people are afraid to go. So, like the, a, the traffic is slower, not the service is slower. That's what I heard. This is what, oh, I yeah, no, that's not what I meant. Uh, it, it's probably about the same pace, um, I, <laughs> but but the actual amount of people going to the hospital is less right now. Yeah, because of, they're trying to preserve space. Well, I might go. It, it's on the edge, like, regardless of this, I would probably be questioning whether I have to go. I was, um, I took my biggest knife and tried to cut a sort of hard old mandarin open last night. What's a, like a, like an orange? Yeah. And it, and it's not, not serrated, is it? No, it was a big sharp knife and I, I, I cut my finger open. Anyway. What's, what, what finger? No, let's get into the details of this <laughs> cut. I want to know everything about this cut. Okay gonna put down the ice because i also have to go back and forth with the ice um it's my left index finger 
Okay. I'm not left-handed, so I was cutting with the right, and it kind of like did that little ricochet hiccup right onto my finger. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. And it's sort of – I did not slice into the nail, thank goodness. Um, yeah. That starts to get messy, but it's sort of like kind of on the side near there, and, and it bled a lot last night, and – then I got my husband to change the Band-Aid last night, and it seemed fine. We changed it again today. It just started bleeding everywhere. So I might have to go to the hospital after this. Well, so, yeah. Did, is it – so it's above the nail? Uh, it's sort of – no, it's sort of like – it's like beside the nail on the – Oh, the, oh, shit. The side of the finger. Oh, but man. But it, it, the cut runs perpendicular to the edge of the nail. Oh. Oh, that's a tricky bugger. Like, what are they going to do? They're not going to do anything is the thing. The only thing I could think of is like, because I don't, I don't think you can get a stitch there. It's such a weird spot. But like, maybe they have some sort of special surgical glue. Yeah, I guess they could do that. But I imagine, yeah, maybe it's, I don't, I feel like it's not worth going because then it's not, because I guess the only thing you'd be worried about is infection. But it sounds like you took care of that. Yeah, we're taking care of it. I mean, neither of us are doctors, you or I. Itor's not a doctor. But uh, we kind of – he and I made an agreement that, like, if later in the day we try to change the dressing and it just starts bleeding everywhere again, we might. Maybe that. Okay. That's a good deadline. And I I, <laughs> I live two blocks from St. Joe's. So I can just – That's where I went. That's why I went and got a co- – uh, I tried to get COVID tests when all this first started going down. And I had uh, extreme anxiety about everything. And then uh, they wouldn't give me the test because I didn't have any other symptoms and just like a fever like and a, like a sore throat that was kind of like lingering around. Right. Or no, I didn't even, sorry, I didn't even have a fever. I just was warm to the touch, but I actually didn't have a fever. <laughs> but just like the sore throat that was lingering. And then they were like, and then they're going through all these things. They're like, have you traveled anywhere? I was like, no. They're like, do you have uh, this? I was like, no. They're like, do you have hypertension? I was like, no. And then the nurse went, well... <laughs> Well, that's the thing. So, like, we think that everyone should be tested, but like, if you're not, if you don't have severe symptoms, they just don't. We're not going to know the numbers. Um, and and the, the travel thing, though, is bullshit because it's been spreading in the community in North America for, since January. Yeah. Um, and all of it came from America here. Well, not all of it, but like so much of it. And British Columbia, potentially. But I, um, I think there's a pretty good likelihood that ITOR and I had it in early February in Los Angeles. What, what's I've heard the tale. Was it like you were sick? You were more sick than you've ever been in your life? Uh, no. So oh. if, if we did, it was a mild case, but it was a bad illness. It, like I, not more sick than I've ever been, but I've had norovirus and that was worse. But, you know, oh, okay. some people are asymptomatic and like we, we had all of the symptoms just about. We had a lot of them. Anyway, may, may never know unless they do it, antibody the, testing. I feel like that's the the hardest part for me in all of this is this sort of this lack of knowledge we have around it. And it's, it's very um, – I mean, obviously that's the case, but it's – like it, it's like every week we find out a new like crazy fact about the coronavirus. <laughs> well, that's just how it works. I mean, um, we I interviewed a friend who's an epidemiologist for this podcast, Dan Werb, and um, I read his book. He wrote a book about sort of epidemics and women. Dis- oh, is that guy living in? Is that guy living in Halifax? He lives everywhere. He's been in Halifax. He's from BC. That's how I know him. He was living in San Diego, also here. I don't know. He's all over the place. Okay. Um, 
But uh, one of the things that really stuck with me through all this that I got from the book was that epidemiologists only look backwards. So now they're being asked to like make predictions and they can make Uh. models, but they don't, first of all, no one can predict the future. Um, But secondly, like they look at past data to suggest policy and change, but they can't predict how a current epidemic is going to behave. I mean, no, because nobody can. And you know, you're looking at all these different sort of data points from the past and trying to figure out the patterns. But that that's the job of the epidemiologist, as I understand it. Interesting. So we're kind of we're asking them to do something that like I guess we're so used to some sense of surety and clarity and now but now we're in their world where they're like, No, we just we're 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 as uncertain as anybody else. Actually that's the word, uncertainty. Uncertainty is in the statistical models and that's something that you have to you have to accept (laughs) like, and, 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 you know, we are trying to learn about this virus as it, uh, as we're experiencing its effects. You can't just know everything right away. And it's, it's it's galling. I know. Well, it's like, like I can, I want to go, I I, want to go on a wiki, you know, immediately. I want to, but I think it's good. It's like, we live with a lot of uncertainty and we sort of have to accept it. You know what this conversation with you makes me think of is when that, when that, um, airplane just disappeared mm-hmm. that was a moment yes. that felt like wait aren't there satellites and isn't everything being looked at all the time why can't we know that it's a whole airplane it's true i that is that is a good point where that's we're we're kind of accustomed to this fantasy that we have everything everything's been transformed into data but it isn't and it's and it's easily accessible yeah. Uh, but then the the, re- the reality that uh, how mysterious life still is. Yeah, and the unknown. So, we- do you think do you think coronavirus had something to do with that plane? Um, yeah, I've been on four um, chan. <laughs> I was trying. You've to- been deep diving. You've I- been deep diving. I was trying to make an internet joke, but I don't know the names for all those dark parts of the internet. <laughs> I, could, I could tell. I'm, I'm surprised you didn't say MySpace. <laughs> no, I wanted something <laughs> creepier. Um, but like QAnon shit. I just learned about QAnon. I don't want to. I'm so paranoid that I don't even want to talk about it because it scared me so much. <laughs> because of how deep the rabbit hole goes, and because of how many people are like smugly like, we know what's happening. You're shooting up boys' blood or whatever. It's scary to me. It's scary stuff to me. It is. It is very, very frightening. Yeah, it is very frightening. I guess it's like there's all this diffuse rage that already existed uh, that people have against some uh, this sort like a vague, you know, like concept of uh, the state or like elite power and like it's just interesting. I guess the thing that's always interested me is how often it gets directed at these like uh, fabulous stories and theories when a lot of the time, like the reality that is easily accessible. Yeah, just is, like make democracy right, just, like work right. Don't vote for Trump. <laughs> yeah. Or just like the idea that even in Canada, like this mass Cargill is going to Cargill is going to put that. Um, chicken processing plant it, it, it's going back to work today on monday Ugh. meanwhile like half their employees got sick and it's like that's outrageous that's crazy that's like elites murdering people 
you know, but but it's not sexy and it's and it's for our own convenience. I know we you know everyone or so many conspiracy people would rather talk about how like yeah, coronavirus is actually an excuse to uh, automate the workforce. I saw a sticker when I was out for a walk on the like bridge over the Humber River that was just like stop 5G, which is all attached to this too. Yeah. And but you're right. And when I heard that chicken stuff, I don't eat meat, so I was like, mm-hmm. seriously, you don't need First of all, there's lots of chicken. Secondly, like a couple weeks off chicken, that's. <laughs> but it's all, but it's also like everything. Everything in our supply chain is complicit because the same thing's happening with migrant laborers who have to work in fields here. Yeah. So it's like it, it. It is like we can take a break off chicken, but then it's also like we could also take a break off asparagus. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Please. <laughs> we don't. Like I don't really. <laughs> we don't need every single th- thing to put in our mouths all the time. And I really think that's that's something of that there's a question that needs to be asked that or not so much needs to be asked that we should have been asking our entire time. Uh, but coronavirus is really demanding it. And it's like, who are we willing to kill to continue on pretending that everything's fine? This is why I wanted to talk to you. <laughs> it is. Um, okay, Jordan, I have, I planned something very special for this episode. Um, in Ooh. fact, um, even compared to my epidemiologist friend, I, for some reason, did more research for this episode than any other. <laughs> <laughs> talk to you Perfect. oh man so what I, I should let you know i haven't read a book in a month I'm, the, the uh, pandemic has really dulled my brain you'll see what it. you'll see what kind of research i did in a second so okay perfect um what i want to do right now is um i'm going to take it'll probably take a, a couple minutes and i'm just going to read you something okay um that i want you to listen to okay um okay here we go I read an article the other week that said three to five degree temperature rise in the Arctic is inevitable. There's so much heat locked up in the ocean and so much methane in the rapidly thawing permafrost that it doesn't matter if we all start driving cars that run on lentils or free all the cows and let them start a bovine society that, thanks to their strong sense of empathy, will no doubt be far more equitable and egalitarian than our own. The great Arctic melt is locked in. All we can do now is attempt to limit the damage and devastation. We are in the chugging six glasses of water in vain before I pass out stage of climate change. That hangover is coming. All we can hope is that it doesn't last all day. How long can all this last, I wonder, as I watch people go about their lives as if they don't know they're doomed? We recommend podcasts, binge TV shows, and chase our dreams as if this wasn't all one field of thawed permafrost away from oblivion. We make jokes. The other day, I saw some friends with their new baby, and we joked about how they're going to have to train him to be a scout after the apocalypse. Too young to imagine our lives ending like our parents, but too old to disengage from the trappings of consumer comfort, we practice this morbid irony as both a rebellion against and acceptance of our helplessness in the fact of what's to come. Finding love, getting headshots. There's no point to any of it, is there? Nothing to be learned or gained, no meaning whatsoever. When whatever is going to happen happens, it won't even be some karmic retribution from a scorned nature for our many transgressions. That's just a myth. We made it up to make this feel special. No, when it happens, it will just be the result of the classic human vices of greed, stupidity, and hubris. Dumb mistakes multiplied over thousands of years. So, as climate models grow bleaker, and the meaninglessness and futility of all things I have cherished or held dear become clear, there's only one question left to answer. Should I get into advertising? Why shouldn't I? 
I've done enough. I've shared the links. I've marched. Lord, how I've marched. My feet ache just thinking about it. I've read Naomi Klein. I sat on the grass outside the Ontario Parliament sans blanket, just the grass in my pants. I've bored my girlfriend with many a recounting of long-form Guardian articles and bum my friends out all the time talking about how we're all doomed. If that's not activism, then what is? I see the truant children marching, and I want to scream out a window at them. What would you have me do, you urchins? Am I not to live in the world? On the first unseasonably warm day, would you have me wrap my body in barbed wire and stagger into Jack Astor's patio, sputtering the end is nigh, before using my final breath to knock over a half-finished bucket of Coronas? No, I will not listen to the children. Let me be an ad man in peace. And what can I do? I would love to do more and go to meetings, but historically I get depressed by collapsible tables. Plus, perhaps I can do more to help once I'm within the machine. Nothing has ever been accomplished outside a machine. Better to burrow my way in, get a fun nickname like Foy's Dog, and use it to get closer to power. After all, climate change is ultimately bad branding. That's the problem here. It's a soft and useless term. It sounds more like the name of body wash you'd get at a Holiday Inn Express. Calling what is happening climate change is like clogging your partner's toilet with a huge dump and then calling it a plumbing problem. If I get into advertising, I can work towards changing the term from climate change to the big bad carbon fiasco. What is art in a time like this anyway? The vain sputtering of the damned, nothing more, childish indulgences, narcissistic musings. I might as well just hop in the air and say, look at me, look at me, art is selfish now. Advertising is a truer act of generosity. It is a selfless act, really. Why rub people's faces in my sorrow when I can draw them to what will make them happy in these final days? The simple joy of eating a President's Choice shrimp ring with others. The way that driving a brand new Jeep with a window open can make your wife attracted to you again. The freedom you feel when you dance in a new pair of Levi's. The whimsical acts like setting up a water slide on a busy street that only Coke can inspire. I look at my friends in advertising and surely they know this. They move like gods on this earth. Nice haircuts, trimmed beards, fat wallets. They have a vitality coursing through them that only relevancy can provide. They're connected to truth and surety. And, thanks to their money, undoubtedly will know where to go when it happens. I've always assumed that when everything begins to fray and tumble, Liberty Village will be surrounded by a huge dome where the blessed and chosen can enjoy dawns of endless mimosas and evenings of dancing to Ariana Grande. And I need to get under that dome. They're strong because they know the truth. The only thing that can save me in this moment is serving something bigger than myself. And what could be bigger than brands? And so I offer myself up to these gleaming monopolies. Oh, booster juice, I implore you. Save me from this terror and my tiny insignificance. You are great and mighty and filled with nutrients. And when all of this turns to dust, I know that you will still keep boosting. Hey. When all this turns to dust, keep boosting is kind of a good slogan. I may actually have a knack for this. Then it says, follow Jordan on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> How long was that? <laughs> the, you saying it? How was it to the listen? The reading? How was that to listen to? <laughs> uh, you know what? That was quite nice. Yeah? Yeah, it's nice to hear the words out like that. I don't think I've ever heard anyone read one of my articles before. Yeah, um, I was reading it to prepare, um, and I thought it would be a weird, fun experiment to just read it to you, because I've always read it in your voice in my head, but when right. when I read it out loud, it just wouldn't come out like that, and it sounds way more like a dramatic monologue than like... <laughs> 
the stand-up comedy it would be coming out of you. I, I liked it. I, th- I uh, it was actually quite enjoyable. It made me appreciate it more. Oh, it's 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 a wonderful piece. So um, Jordan wrote that. <laughs> <laughs> And at first I was like, whoa, this is heavy. And then I realized it was me. <laughs> yeah, I was going to ask you when you clued in. Um, yeah, because again, your your delivery would really change it. But um, this was written about a year ago. And this article had a lot to do with inspiring this podcast. Oh, really? Yeah. So this is when I, when I reached out to you and I said, remember how you inspired this podcast? And you were like, no. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I just inspire so many podcasts. Well, so what happened was I read this, and I, I actually looked back through our texts. I read mm-hmm. I read this, and um, I texted you on the day this was published to, to ask if you wanted to meet with me. Um, and I said, like, do you want to work on a podcast together? And you said, no, I don't like working with other people. <laughs> it's one of my few principles I, uh, <laughs> I stand by. Well, and so we went out for, like, a beer, and you were like, no, I don't like working with other people. And I was like, that's great. <laughs> one of your superpowers is like well there's the dual superpower of understanding yourself and being honest yeah well thank you um but yeah so you're like no i don't want you and i was like oh great actually i was thinking of asking dan but the ethos of this article was so central to me wanting to do this that i i felt bad not asking you and i think it would be an interesting collaboration between us but it's worked well, it's worked out fine here we're, we're, i mean we're kind of doing it now yeah, you can just be on one episode and I'll read your, I'll yeah. dramatically read your article to you. Um, what's it like hearing those thoughts now? Like in 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 the new age of uh, Corona? Yeah. I mean, they, uh, they, it sounds sort of... Uh, it, I mean, that whole thing, that whole piece was sort of about our ability to um our extraordinary ability as a society to ignore the elephant in the room and to and uh and that's what i find so fucking fucked up so fucking fucked up about this thank god you read an article (laughs) so fucking (laughs) fucked up is a perfect wording for vice oh and by the way i found some spelling mistakes in here can i tell you about them later (laughs) No, please don't. Okay. <laughs> I always get like one message about a spelling mistake and I'm like, I don't want to know it's gone. Uh, it's, I don't even like looking at them again. It's it's a really bad habit of mine. I used to work in the copy department and I just want to be able to change them when I see them. Oh, they must drive you nuts. Uh, yeah. I, well, and again, like I, I worked in copy just proofreading. So like, it's, oh man, it stuck with me. Um, but, uh, like our our this I feel like for the past I don't really know when it, I I mean I guess I since like 911 but who knows really since when but there's just been this thing that you know the world keeps knocking the the reality keeps knocking at our door and screaming and trying to get our attention like this is not sustainable. This is, you know, an illusion. And we just keep trucking along. We just keep streaming along. And it's, it, and this is so far, coronavirus has been our greatest test. Yeah. Of can, how can we, how can we keep that up? 
and um, and it, it's 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 wild to me how we've acclimated and and like pretended that like our ability to 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 keep things are normal while you know literally the seas rise and, yeah. and the sick walk the earth i think what's different now and i guess the one thing that coronavirus has that i think about is is the bubble keeps constricting and that, that liberty village ideal dome i mean i kind of am under it right now because i don't have a an undue amount of financial stress right now, right? which is uh, fortunate. And, you know, up until two years ago, I would have been working in the service industry, so I would have been utterly devastated. Um, so there's it, but, but that's the thing that I've noticed now where it's like, Oh, you're, you're seeing where that cleavage is between, you know, like I, I tweeted, um, the new class divide is, are you ordering or are you delivering? Yeah. And I think it's been it's been very illuminating as far as that goes. And uh, well, and it's being so- discussed like I'm hearing it discussed on CBC radio, all of the things that I've or many of the things that I've been concerned about are actually mm-hmm. being discussed. Yeah. So there is that side of it, too, where I mean, when it comes even when it comes down to like like these workers at places like Amazon and stuff like that, they've never had more power, which is why you see so many strikes happening in the States right now. Yeah. And so there is a benefit to that where it's like, you know, it's, that's the flip side to it where, you know, you, there's, there's a potential for change in this crisis, but I, I was talking to my roommate about it. Cause it's like, like, I just, I remember when Trump won, and it, it was so shocking, right? Yeah. For for so many of us, and it felt so, and and we felt like the world was about to crumble, and then for some reason it didn't, and then it, it's still not crumbling even now. It is. And it is. I mean, it is. talking to it my is, American but, friends, there's a real, right. real desperation. I mean, I I've been talking to friends in Georgia, mm. and 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 the people I know there are generally of some level of means, but being in the middle of it and not being able to help or fix everything is really overwhelming. Yeah, I suppose that's true. I mean, we're we, that is also something that coronavirus has exposed, where Canada is still a, a functioning state. Yeah, uh, which is quite. Uh, I'm I'm appreciative of that. Uh, <laughs> I've definitely texted friends, being like, "This is weird," but I feel proud to be Canadian. I've never felt this sensation before. Yeah, because it, it, like, it feels like it's been earned now, not just like inherited. And what, what do you mean? The pride. Mm. Like we've done yeah. some work and we've done some hard things as opposed to just going like, we're smarter than Americans. Like, Yeah, exactly. Where it's like, oh, there actually is a difference. For, yeah. Uh, I know. But, I know Doug Ford's up to something, but he's doing some things right. Well, and just like the difference where you like Doug Ford's our, our dumbest, uh, uh, you know, sort of populist in that Trump mold, but you just see there isn't the nihilism amongst our conservatives here to just like, there doesn't like, I don't actually think Doug Ford wants us all to die. I know. (laughs) And and I think the Republicans in the States literally do like, there's no, like people are, people are meant to die. There's a, there's a, I think that's terrifying. Like you can see, and I think that's why our conservative party 
is going to continue to get kind of beaten in elections now because they don't really serve a purpose anymore because conservatism is changing to this. It doesn't like there's why would you want uh, people that say they're prudent fiscal managers like because it's like, okay, well, that's what the liberals fashion themselves. Like there's no real if you're not going to become evil, there's no real point to be. Yeah, and you you can watch these sort of like Jason Kenney and um, Andrew Scheer like kicking at being evil and everyone's like, fuck off. This is a serious problem. Will you please? Yeah, they'll dip their toes in, but none of them have the stones to be uh, a true uh, bastard. Um, But so the the one so what I was saying, though, is like, so it felt like everything was crumbling. And yes, things are crumbling, like. I say that there aren't the problems existing, but still the way so many of us are still clinging to this, you know, this uh, a feeling of normalcy and trying to further feel it more in our lives and trying to like organize our life to feel normal. I, I was just saying, I, I really think so many of us underestimated the power of the ideology of, of consumerism and how like strong it is and how much it is one of the most uh, powerful ideologies that has ever existed on the earth, like up there, like when with you know the sort of you know like religion in the in the dark ages, where it's like this this belief and this need to constantly be coded and, and comforted by by you know pop culture and buying things i'm so confused by it and i know that i am part of consumer culture and i know that i'm part of it in ways that i can't see because that's its best magic trick but Mm -hmm. but i also like i i've I've had a couple better years financially but i tended to make very little all the time yeah and but i and i was like i go out to bars i eat at restaurants i have a car and why am I not as broke as all my friends? <laughs> and I realized it was shopping for just stuff. And I also yeah. buy, it's not like I don't buy anything. So I was like super confused. But like sometimes I get really down to the wire, but I was like, why am I not so in debt and everyone else is? Oh my God, the 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 shop, shop I, I myself, not really a shopper yeah. either. Like just that need, like that, I mean, when you go... Like just that, I'm going to go to the mall. Like I've never, I, I have it a little bit. I think we all do. Like I want to buy new things occasionally, but yeah, um, of course. But like I, I also, I think also like when I go shopping, I'm like, I want to buy something that's going to like fit me, and I don't need to buy any it again for like ten or fifteen years, hopefully yeah. twenty. Like my goal in shopping is to not do more of it. But I think, but when I when I say like consumerism as this ideology. I, I kind of said that as the word. I don't even know if it's the right word because it is to me. It's it's it, it was the word I was I was looking for for this uh, desire to be to pretend like you're comfortable and to pretend like to basically not have to engage in the world outside of uh, attainment of pleasure and comfort huh. and and so maybe consumerism isn't the right word, but I think that is because I don't mean, yeah, I don't mean like entirely like consumerism. Like I'm just going to go to the mall. I mean more just like, yeah, like this, this way that we're all sort of existing in this little, 
uh, pod in our head of, of like, oh, maybe I'll get a little political or I'll do a little thing like that. But in turn, but also in this way that we're just kind of more obsessed with our own pleasures and That's comforts. amazing. That's a super helpful insight. Okay, I have a question for you. Sure. So this, um, this whole sort of the exploration of this project is about hope. Now, I had a thought while you were talking about this sort of like blindness to the actual problems. So the people like me who keep trying to find the sunny side of what's going on and like, oh, maybe this is a transformative moment. Are we just being kind of like doped up by that thought and ignorant? Uh, I mean, potentially, because I sometimes say that to myself. Um, but... <sighs> I mean, what else, all you can do is attempt to look at the world and develop, like, I mean, because I feel like nihilism is pretty reactionary. Yeah. And it's hard. And so I don't think it does any service to anybody. Oh, that's even it's such a just, helpful thought. <laughs> I don't, I think it's like, it's kind of concerned. It's like, yeah, it's, it's reactionary and, and, and uh, sort of how you get to uh, a kind of, fascist like well i'm fine and whatever it's happening outside of my world and i just don't want to think about it anymore because who gives a shit uh we're all going down anyways that kind of thing it's kind of like um but i guess that's what i guess that's what i find troubling about this is is again this the strength of that drive for things not that, that we don't want them to change, but just like, I, God, I just want to, I just want to, f the normalcy. I just, I, that's why like people fucking, that's why so many people fucking hate Trump beyond, that's why so many people think Trump is worse than Bush because it's like Trump never, or Bush never made other, Bush never made people within a certain privileged space scared, you know, like, right. you'd oh. be like, oh, I, I hate the Iraq war, but you never felt like, but now, but you never actually felt scared. Nobody felt scared. Right. And, and literally you know, like, his solution was to tell people to go shopping. To go shopping. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's fine. Go be, go like live your life where it's like, which because Trump's so erratic and he breaks all the norms, they hate him so much more. I and hate it's like, him more. That's I know we all do because it's, he's, he's infuriated. I mean, you, you watch him talk for like longer than a minute and it's like, it's mind boggling and surreal, but I, I think that's also part of it is it's it's a reaction to it's a visceral reaction to like, no, but that what he shows us, you know, as opposed to like Bush where it's like, ah, fucking idiot doing some stupid shit. Oh, well, but tomorrow will be the same. Like and uh, like, I think when you look at in terms of policies where there's, you know, Trump hasn't killed fucking a million Iraqis yet. Right. So there's that. He's on his way I mean, to killing a million Americans, but yes, he is. <laughs> I mean, yeah, this isn't a Trump defense as much as it's sort of. I think why the reaction to him is so visceral is because of that. He he upsets that drive, and less that he is uh, uh, his policies. So you so, know, like, Jordan, if you're if you're not a nihilist, like how how would you categorize yourself? And actually, wait, I'm gonna. I'm going to give a bit of context. So I'm not going to read you the other article, but the article that you wrote <laughs> at the end of last year about running into your dad in Sault Ste. Marie yeah. is incredible. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Um, 
And it, it addresses addiction in a way that was really meaningful to me in that, like, the notion that you just get better and everything comes back to you is really fucked up. Um, but there's this, right. Yeah. Like you can fix it and then like, Oh, like you're, then you're all going to be in a happy place all of a sudden. And also that it will stick. I mean, like I, I've, I, in my life, you know, we deal with that with mental illness and this people, when people are like, well, have you gone to the doctor? Have you taken medication? As if that's. Yeah. If you, it, it, I, I get mad about it cause it reframes it as if you haven't, it's your fault. <laughs> yes. Yeah. The, the, Again, like again, to come back to the normal to the normalcy. Yeah, exactly. Cocoon, right, like that's what it is. It's like, oh, you're you exist out. You remind me about something else, and I, I don't want that. You need to fit. But there's so so with you. I felt a real safety and kinship in this sort of similar profound sadness <laughs> and upset at what we're seeing. But also, we both continue to push forward. Mm-hmm. And we, you, you, you try to, you make work to express this to people and to to get these messages out there. So, what is that? I guess is my question. Um, I guess, I mean, I I wouldn't have had an answer to your question if you hadn't brought up that article because, um, I guess whatever beliefs I have, um, are a product of um, basically I had to, I grew up having to love a drug addict. So, you know, there's a certain, there's an empathy for humans and all their variety of flaws and, um, and failings. And I, 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 I guess my viewpoint is like an understanding and empathy toward what humans need to do to get, make it to the end. And, and, uh, you know, my dream, the world I want is one where that's as uh, painless and equitable as possible, but also there's a certain, um, yeah, like, I guess it's, it's, it's sort of been rooted in empathy, um, is, is what, and I get, I don't know if that gives me, so I, so like, I guess an example, I don't know if that gives me his hope, but it, so, you know, I, I saw a lot of people and people I know were kind of freaking out on like Sunday or it's yesterday, uh, because it was so nice out and obviously a bunch of people were outside Yep. and, you know, and you see all these people kind of like having these like deck hangs and, um, and you know, that it kind of infuriated people. But to me, I'm like, I look at that as kind of like to get people to do anything outside of their normal routine, even if it is like, okay, well, we're going to we'll hang out, but we're going to like sit far away from each other. Like, it's kind of it's pretty impressive. Yeah. And so I like it's like it's like terrifying. And like, obviously, you know, who knows what's going to happen? Like, but this is why it's so hard to stop a pandemic because social isolation is pretty fucking hard. Um, but like. So I guess it's like seeing that makes me feel like, oh, like people want to hang out. People, it's nice outside. People want to go outside. Like that's pretty, that's a very human thing. And I don't think that necessarily is bad. And so seeing people, how they're accommodating was pretty intense. Like people, I see some people 
poo-pooing, Jesus Christ, like kind of criticizing it on on social media, like as if they're being irresponsible and, and, and completely foolish, which is definitely happening. You know, you see those like photos of the beach or whatever, but also like the tremendous, it's, it's not an insignificant drive to want to hang out with some friends on a nice day. Like that's like, we only have so many of those in our lifetime. Of course people want to fucking do that. And so it's like the fact that people are, trying to accommodate or trying to fulfill that desire while also attempting to accommodate this new way of living that we're in right now. I thought that was kind of like hopeful. I mean, who knows? But well, that's a really so that, good way to look at it. And and like that conversation, that this specific conversation has been coming up a lot for me and Dan of, of how much of, being of like, well, how much being mad at people is helpful. And, um, you know, I don't know. Mm. I, I, I mean, Itor and I just didn't go out yesterday. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I went for a walk, and that's kind of where I viewed it all. And Yeah, I mean, it's, like, scary, but I guess I sort of saw the fr- – I looked at the frustration, but I sort of – I looked at it kind of positively. And, like, if you – like, the way I thought of it, if you took somebody from three months ago or wherever before this pandemic started and you plopped them down in the city, they wouldn't be like, oh, this is an ordinary day. Like, they'd be like, what the fuck is yeah. happening? This is crazy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, we act like on these busy days as if people aren't, they're just like back to normal. And like, that is happening. But also, when you walk around, the streets are busy. But again, that's also because of bad policy. Like, we don't encourage, we're not in, like, what is shown is like, we need more space for people to go out. But it's like, if you drop somebody walking around, they're not going to be like, Oh, what a normal day. They're going to be like, what the fuck is going on? Why are people wearing masks? Why are people all sitting in these weird sort of spaced out clusters? Like and nobody, are- nobody's getting close to each other. When you're walking down the street, why did the, those people just go walk up a driveway and wait for you to pass? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like that's, and that happens all the time. Like people kind of, you know, it's subtle, but that's what this is about. It is a, it's a subtle process. It's not. But you're right. It would be like, noticeable if someone came here and none of this. Oh, yeah. They didn't know any of this was happening. Yeah, exactly. They want to be like, well, ordinary day in Toronto. <laughs> well, the other thing is, and I, wa- I wanted to tell Dan about this, too, and I forgot to. But like the other night I went out at three in the morning and it was raining mm-hmm. and I went out. I, I, I tend to see so my my sort of practical decision making with all of this people being out too much is that I walk around when it's dark or rainy or oh god it's lovely bad and i i enjoy that kind of time and weather anyway so i was like so yesterday was the one day that i turned i just didn't go out we live by the beach and i was like no you know like we get our exercise our our schedules are flexible enough that we can go at weird hours we don't need to add to this that was sort of my attitude but i so i went out uh in the car to drop off some masks and i felt really good because i've been sewing masks i felt really good because i was like if i get pulled over by the cops which i won't um (laughs) i get to be like i'm delivering masks (laughs) yeah (laughs) anyway like thank you for your heroism (laughs) i know it's all i wanted was to be smug to a cop but yeah but i so i i chose she was on a horse (laughs) yeah for sure, there's the horse cops are out in droves because I see horse shit everywhere. But yeah, um, it feels really pioneer. But uh, anyway, so and not just out of politicians' mouths. Okay, I'm oh, thing. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm supposed to be interviewing you. I don't know why I'm talking so much this interview. But anyway, I chose to go at 3 a.m. also because I wanted to check it out. Mm-hmm. And the the route I took was like up Lansdowne, across College, then down to um, 
Dundas on like Grace and then back to where I am on Dundas. So if you're not from Toronto, these um, streets at 3 a.m. on a Thursday, 3 a.m. is when like last call's 2 a.m. So 3 a.m. would be the time that you're like finally kicked out of the bar. Yeah. So this is a t- period of time when the streets would be full of people. And, yeah, and cabs and shit. Yeah, I did not see one cab. I saw yeah. a total of two people walking on the street and um, maybe five cars that weren't like garbage trucks or something. And one person in their place of work, which was the guy making pizzas at Pizza Pizza in an N95 mask. <laughs> God. And no one was around. So these are delivery. And um, it was super helpful to me. I haven't been so – I've been scared but not extremely stressed about all the gatherings of people. But I was like, mm-hmm. no, this is a time when – Hundreds of thousands of people, if not like a million people, would usually be out in Toronto at bars all licking each other. Yeah, exactly. Like it's it's it is ha- it is happening. Whether it's enough, I mean, who knows? But there's been a it's it's a tremendous shift, and I think also we're not entirely feeling it because again, we're we're trying to also cope with it. So we're 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 clinging also to feelings of normalcy. So we we're we're trying to act like it isn't. So we start to color it as if it's normal, but like, it's, it's a, a true shock to the, the whatever kind of social system. Cause yeah, when you walk out at night, it's not like, it's not uh it's not an average Friday night out there. It's, it's, a, it's completely different. It's like the Omega like man. Br- it's like you're alone in the world. It's very weird. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I like that you brought up, I think, that the guy making pizza in an N95 mask. I mean, that's the fucking, that's the thing that is not heartbreaking to me, uh, but just the, 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 that's like the divide. It's so crazy to me, like. Except nobody's in there. I mean, he should, I don't know what he's getting paid. He should be being paid more, but like nobody's in there. It didn't seem unsafe. Oh yeah, I don't, I'm not saying it should, be, I'm not saying it should be closed, but that's what I mean where it's like, that guy's probably not getting paid. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like he's not getting, he's not getting like a sweet fucking deal in there. It's not like they're like, I guess it's just the amount of people that have to work in fast food jobs. I, I can't imagine having to suit up and going to work for fucking 14 bucks an hour at a goddamn grocery store right now. The McDonald's like, at Queen and Roncesvalles is still open 24 hours and they let people go inside. Like, and that's And it's teenagers fucked. working there. I mean, yeah. that place was, like, terrible at the best of times. There were people constantly, like, taking shits on the floor and stuff. And, like, mm-hmm. it feels terrible. And we just, that's, that's the kind of, that's the kind of thing where it's, like, that's what I mean where... The, the the things the things we're okay with the underpinnings that we, we think of, it's like oh look at our good <laughs> I, I mean that and that's I kind of what, what bothers me with with all these sort of like these right wing protesters and they're saying like oh watch out for our freedoms and stuff like that like they're using this to um, to uh, like kind of trample on our freedoms it's like what fucking freedoms yeah, man. Like what freedoms are you trying to protect? I what don't free, want what freedoms to, are you worried about? I don't want to be free to go to the grocery store, grab something off the shelf, and it's full of poison. I don't want that. I would like those exactly. decisions made for me so I don't have to worry about it. 
Yeah, exactly. Or, or like that person's the person who has to fucking suit up to go work at McDonald's, who probably has to take a goddamn you know hour long transit ride to get there. That's not fucking. That what, what is that? That's what you're fighting for. This is the system that you think it's going to be like that they're trying to stop. Like it just like it. Uh, the, the, again, it's the target of the ire out there is. Uh, yeah, they're not fighting it, so that they're not fighting so that they can get on the subway and go to McDonald's. They're fighting so that they yeah. can profit from it in some larger abstract way. Yeah, they're they're fighting so that they can get McDonald's. It's uh, or so that their again, stocks like, their stocks don't go down. Yeah, and but I think also that's the sort of when I said consumerist, that's the sort of extreme of the ideology that I'm trying to like figure out and get my finger on of that like thing of like I don't want anything to obstruct my access to pleasure. Yeah, that's and... it's beautifully put, Jordan. You're so smart. <laughs> yes, podcast appearance complete. Um, oh, you know what I forgot to do. <laughs> What? I forgot to have you introduce yourself and say what you what you do and who you are. Oh, I mean that's probably clear by now. I'm Jordan Floyzy and I fucking love weed, man. <laughs> no, uh, <laughs> uh, You're the Foy's dog. Do I, oh, also in that I'm article, the, the first the first time I read it, I was like, why does he want his nickname to be Foy Dog? <laughs> <laughs> that's better. I thought it was like a foie gras joke, and then I was like, that's oh. the dumbest thing. <laughs> That's what, so what's, funny. What's That's so funny. Foie dog. Well, foie dog, um, I want to talk to you for more hours. Maybe um, you you will just have to come back and be a semi, <laughs> semi-regular. Oh, I'll come back. Because you inspired this. I'll, 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 I'll tell uh, Dan to stop being so classist. Oh, no. Yeah, you know what? <laughs> it would be actually it would be great if we're ever allowed in the same room together to um, have a chat with the three of us. I'd really love that. But I do get real quick before yeah, I have to leave. You bet. I think that is one part that uh, progressives we need to reckon with because all concert a lot of all conservative rage right now and and all that stuff is built around the fact that it's all rebellion against rules now, and that's so. Don't tell me what to say. Don't tell me what to do. Don't and you know a lot of that is like childish tempered tantrum throwing that mm. uh, sensible regulation but also i don't think we understand that that is what the ten- the the appeal of the new conservatism is hmm. and unless we do we're never going to be able to kind of reckon and and reconcile i mean maybe, maybe we don't want to but you know, like that's that's what they're that's what they're that's what it is now. It's 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 not. You know, I think we still. It's it used to be about you know the conservative used to be about a sort of social conservatism, and but now it's like um, libertarian. Now, well, yeah, it's like it's 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 basically anti PC culture mixed with the same sort of free market economics, and now those have gone together. People Before, are it was like, like, "Oh, I want to be able to say the N word," <laughs> and I want to be able to, and I want my boss to be able to exploit me. Like that's like that's the new conservative ideology, as opposed to before when it was like, "I don't think gay people should be allowed to get married." <sighs> well, I mean, at least we banned assault rifles. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, not like, but they weren't even using, none of the uh, crimes were with assault rifles. 
I um I listened to the Colin show on CBC about that yesterday. It was great to hear gun owners say, "Grow up, give away your dangerous guns. You're only allowed to use them at shooting ranges, so they're only toys." Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's what they already were. They're collectors items. But I liked like gun owners calling in and saying that. That that gave me some hope. It's not just people yeah. like me who's I've shot a rifle maybe twice in my life on the farm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, know. there's that. It, but again, that also like speaks to the sort of for whatever reason in Canada that's that the maniac sort of destructive energy that the states this like this like urge to destroy themselves doesn't seem to be as prevalent here for I don't know why. Well, it's good Anyways. enough. It's good enough for me. Um, yeah. Follow Jordan on Twitter. <laughs> What's your handle? Yeah, follow me on Twitter uh, at Jordan Foisy, J-O-R-D-A-N-F-O-I-S-Y. I'm writing an article right now, so. <gasps> I was going to ask that. about that. Okay. I'm really excited. Um, yeah. Well, we'll have you back on because you're smart and you pretty much answer all my questions and help me a ton. <laughs> Well, thanks a lot. Thanks for the reading. That was quite nice. Oh, yeah. Thanks for listening to that fun experiment. Okay. Okay, sweet. Bye. Talk to you later. Bye. word podcast is proud to be part of the shop family of productions follow the shop on instagram at the underscore shop to artwork this week by tim mccula and our theme music as always by laura barrett for information on all our artists and guests please follow us everywhere at the h word pod or sign up for our newsletter at the h